what is the definition of a sound is right sound is what you hear <laughs> no no sound is the sound waves and then sound is just reverberations in in the the air yeah okay so what do you call the thing that's in your brain um <laughs> <laughs> we call it a podcast <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it really depends on your epistemological and philosophical point of view and orientation. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Does it if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, does it make a sound? And like if your a, answer to that is entirely philosophical. It's not like a yes or no answer. If a beast doesn't turn back into a human inside of a castle mm -hmm. in a faraway place. Are the spoons still people? <laughs> We're talking Beauty and the Beast this week, if you couldn't tell from that terrible joke. Mm -hmm. And awful transition. Good morning. Good e evening? evening. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's evening. Hello. Good evening. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to the Madness and Movies podcast. Where sometimes we get around to talking about movies, but mostly we just throw terrible philosophical ideas at each other and then we like get confused and then we just pretend to call it a podcast because it, it strokes my ego. I don't know about yours, Emily. Yeah. It strokes my ego to know that someone else is listening to me ramble. Absolutely. And then we pretend to be like happy and laugh about the ideas. And like, oh, like you're so funny. Like they don't actually send us into like serious existential horror. Wait, do they for you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, no, I was laughing for real. Really? Yeah. No, I I don't know. You didn't know this about me? That every time we record a podcast, you go into like a state of existential no, dread not, after? Uh, no, I'm always in a state of existential oh. dread. But then I like talk about these ideas on the podcast and I'm just like, oh, ha, ha, ha. What is consciousness? What is embodiment? And then I'm like, oh, my God, what is consciousness? <laughs> we don't know. And like, that's just my life like every day. But like, this is where I get to pretend like it's like funny and cute and laughable. <laughs> but like, oh, really, it's not. It's, and like, here I thought it made you feel I thought it made you feel better not that this was where you came to pretend to feel better <laughs> oh no. no i guess i it's have horribly both. misjudged no it makes me feel bad i don't know oh gosh <laughs> oh no i mean you have to laugh at the things that make you horrified yeah i mean that that's just yeah like, that sounds healthier yeah yeah than I just mean, being horrified yeah it's certainly more enjoyable yeah if you can find a way to laugh Dark humor is good. Yeah. But. Underappreciated. Yeah. As a, as, a, as a coping skill. Yes. Yes. It's generally just treated as humor. Yes. It's just like, ooh. Mm. Exactly. But it comes from a place. A real place. Uh-huh. A place of talking about movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is a podcast mm -hmm. where we talk about... Madness through the lens of pop culture and pop culture through the lens of madness. And we find madness in the places where you least expect it. Yes. <laughs> and life is grand when you get to talk about Disney movies the way we do. Because mm -hmm. we're doing Beauty and the Beast. For Disney this December. Week. Hashtag Disney December. We held a poll. You voted and you told us you wanted this movie. And so we did it. And now we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. But before we talk about it, we want to talk about the other last movie that we did before Rudolph, which was The Little Mermaid, which 
um, we got some feedback on. And this is, I think, going forward, we want to try to we want to try to engage with you guys more. Right. That was that's the that's the the reason we did the poll. That's why we're trying to we're trying to incorporate your feedback and your thoughts into this podcast. As well, make it more of a discussion. Mm-hmm. And so, um, let's see, do you have a comment you want to start with? There were yeah. there were a few. Yeah, um, there were quite a few. Um, one person made the point that it's really important to include more autistic voices, trans voices, consult with more autistic and trans activists mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. discussing those themes in film. And we could not agree more. We yes. definitely want to always be reaching out to and speaking with more autistic and trans activists. Um, so if you identify as autistic or trans and have been engaged in activism around that, we would love to have you as a guest. We would love to speak with you about, you know, what are what's going to be on our podcast, what we're talking about. We would love for you to be involved in some way. So please or, let us know if you're interested. I would broaden the mandate. I would say, I don't know. Crap, I don't know. I want everybody's feedback, especially yeah. if, yeah, especially if you're in any way identify as mad or mm-hmm. disabled yes autistic neurodivergent you know whatever it is yes. or just any marginalized identity people of color we definitely need to include um yeah we're both white <laughs> yes so we need more diversity people of size um yeah please just let us know we would love to have you as a guest unfortunately we are not able to pay because we make no money zero dollar yeah, so sorry about that, but yeah, yeah. Um, and if that's not your cup of tea, we have we're all over Facebook. We have a page and a group, and we post in a bunch of different places. And that's really where to find us. And if you want to interact with us, is on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, other comments. Let's. I mean, actual like, you know, more con- concrete comments. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of, one of the things that was pointed out to us was that we had sort of glossed over, um, in the Little Mermaid, Ariel's, um, sort of, uh, you say, like, autistic identity, I guess, before, (laughs) and to be clear, in, when we reviewed the Little Mermaid, we covered a bunch of different ways that it could be interpreted, but within the autistic interpretation, we certainly glazed over a lot of what made her that way before she went on land um, and how that was really a driving, motivating factor behind her going up there in the first place. And uh, certainly, yes, that was that's uh, an excellent point and a uh, something we kind of took for granted and just sort of yada yada right through, but like should be like appreciated and kind of chewed on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's not just her being nonverbal. It's also that she was always kind of obsessed with humans and learning more about them and collecting items. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, so that was, yes. Good feedback, yeah. thank you feedback. Yes, we also got another comment that I really wanted to read um, from uh, a plural activist who says, as other kin trans plural folk, We find it interesting that a trans species movie is held forth as being a symbol for trans folk. Generally, trans folk look down on the other kin when we describe ourselves as trans species, i.e. born in a human body, 
but we know in our bones slash soul, etc., that we shouldn't be human. And some folk get surgeries or wear prosthetics to become or seem more the person they feel they are. Like we're making up terminology and co-opting their experience or making a mockery of it. But yeah, here's Ariel, a trans icon, whom is trans species. Hmm. I guess it's Disney magic, TM. Our body's egg donor took us to a therapist when we told her we were mostly elves in a human body. Hmm. Um, so basically kind of saying that trans, um, I guess, transgender identities kind of often frown upon or stigmatize um, the trans community and other communities often stigmatize those who identify more as trans species. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, while transgender identities have gotten more acceptance, trans species identities are still vastly stigmatized or psychiatrized even. Yeah. And you had mentioned transabled, yeah. which, I, which is yeah. not a word I'd ever heard before we started uh -huh, recording, uh -huh. the, recording that podcast. Uh-huh. It's a much broader... It's a bigger world than I sometimes think it is. Yeah. Like every so often I'm just reminded of that. They're like, whoa. A more diverse so much, world, yeah. There's so much more going on out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just really excited to hear from someone engaged with, like, trans species activism and hmm. communities because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't even thought about that. I think I didn't even know of that. Maybe I knew of it vaguely, but um, I don't know. I certainly don't know enough about it, and so I was excited to hear that someone kind of identified with it and found that to be helpful yeah yeah and that was from uh, the chris's right yes yes guess. upcoming guest forthcoming yes. super super great incredible yeah you will get to hear from them and they are just awesome so please stay tuned yeah um so yeah if you've got more exciting feedback like that uh please by all means comment interact with us on facebook it's a wonderful place. They'll only steal your privacy. It's not that big of a deal. You didn't need it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should we move on to our actual topic for the week? Yes. Move right on out of the feedback section and say hello to Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. The uh, 1990, um uh, version. The original? Yeah, I think it's the original. Okay. I was trying to think if there's some, I guess just Hans Christian Andersen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, there's Hans Christian Andersen and then there's Walt Disney. Did Hans Christian Andersen write Beauty and the Beast? I am 80% sure. Huh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. You have to trust my 80. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, can I do plot summary? Yes. Okay, plot synopsis is for all five of you that haven't seen this. <laughs> Or, like, absorbed it just by, like, existing in America. Um, Belle is, like, the prettiest girl in town. And she's super smart. And she likes reading books. And that... no, And they live in, like, the countryside. She lives in, like, a shitty peasant village in the French countryside. Uh, sometime in maybe the 1800s-ish. Mm -hmm. um, Gaston is a... He's like the, the cool dude in town. He's the star quarterback. He's the macho man hunter guy. And he falls in love with Belle and he has to have her, has to have her. And she says, no way, you're gross. And 
uh, and she ends up. I'm going to skim a little bit. Uh, she ends up with this beast who is he's cursed, right? He uh, he was a prince in a castle and an evil witch, not an evil witch, not an evil witch. I think that's important to say it's not an evil witch. It's just an enchantress. Yes. Comes and says and curses him because he's mean to her because she's ugly. And so she she curses him to be a beast and not a man until he can find someone who loves him. Um, but if all the petals fall off of the rose and nobody loves him, then there's a magic rose. And if it <laughs> there's a magic rose and if the petals fall off, it gets kind of complicated now that I'm yeah, like trying to explain it, it out loud. It is a complicated story. But if if the rose dies, then the beast is a beast forever and he'll never turn back into a person. And that's it. The end forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Belle ends up in the castle with the beast and he's like mean to her at first because he's all angry and stuff and so then she's like well i don't love you and i'm not gonna eat dinner with you you monster and he's like rah but all his servants convince him to try to be nice to her and then he rescues her from a bunch of fucking wolves and stuff and then they fall in love and then gaston who still wants bell comes and tries to kill the beast but the bell loves the beast and the beast kills Gaston Mm -hmm. and then is turned back into a person and lives happily ever after. Pretty much. That is surprisingly complicated describing it out loud. Yeah. 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 So I'm really excited about this film (laughs) because, (laughs) because, (laughs) because it's about, I see it as a film about embodiment to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really and truly. Okay, so as some of you might know, I went to Ireland um, a few weeks ago Yes. to <laughs> present at a conference, and I just haven't felt the same since then. I just mm-hmm. have not felt like it's me in my body, mm-hmm. and so my good friend Kaz, who is also a mad activist, um, suggested that maybe I have been possessed by... <laughs> An Irish demon fairy, and I'm not sure how to pronounce the name of it, but it's some sort of like Irish demon. What's the spelling? It's like Leonan Sid, L-E-A-N-A-N-S-I-D-H, I I think. We can put it in the show notes. Great. (laughs) I don't know. I was feeling so cocky until you actually spelled it, and I'm like, crap. Yeah, it's really complicated, (laughs) but it's this like demon fairy thing that makes people go mad, and Mm -hmm. it is like a muse to people's art. Mm -hmm. It's just really cool. (laughs) Oh, and it like falls in love with mortals and makes mortals fall in love with it or something. I don't know. But we think that I've possibly been possessed by this Irish demon fairy thing. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) I could really relate (laughs) to this, to this film. I'm excited to talk about embodiment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's, I think that's so especially, like, like cartoons and Disney cartoons and whatever, like, they are very embodied. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I think, I don't remember what episode we've talked about this, but just that, especially for the children, like, so much is communicated in visual language. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's less talky-talky and more of like visually presenting the characters and the way that you show them yeah. sort of 
being the the definition of their I don't know selfness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but this movie especially because the whole conceit of it is that the enchantress oh didn't turn just the beast but turn the whole all the servants and everybody in the castle into other things. Yes. To like represent them. Like, uh, I don't know, Cod's, Codsworth is always kind of clumsy and finicky, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's this, like, clock with all these little, like, gears and fidgety bits. Yes. Um, but he's also kind of, like, chunky and, like, I don't know, kind of not really, you know, he's not, what am I trying to say, graceful? Yeah, yeah. He's kind of boxy and clumsy and, like, clunks uh-huh, into things. Uh-huh. Um, and, of course, the Beast, right? He's an asshole. Mm-hmm. So he gets turned into a monster. Like, it's like it's like taking one aspect of someone's personality and just, like, stretching it out and making that their whole existence. Right. And that's so embodied. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, that's so interesting that you see it as embodied. Because I saw it as so Cartesian. What's Cartesian mean? Um, It's like the duality between the Hmm. mind and the body. Like mind-body dualism, I think. Hmm. I think therefore I am. I think that's... Is that Cartesian? I don't know what I'm talking about. I think therefore I left a cart. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so Cartesian. (laughs) Like we are brains in bodies. We think that's our existence. I think that's the idea. I don't know enough. I'm not a philosopher. (laughs) Um, But the point is... I saw it as, like, dualist. Like, I saw huh. it very much as, oh, there are these minds trapped inside these bodies, trapped inside these inanimate objects. He's trapped inside the body of a beast. He's not really a beast. He's trapped inside a beast's body. Hmm. And, yeah, I, I find that interesting, just the the duality and of, of both of that, that they're both kind of, like, super embodied but also there's this narrative that they're trapped inside their bodies and, and I think they're not, it's almost like they're not really embodied or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think what does it for me is that they sort of see themselves as these bodies, right? That they're sort of, it's sort of this like tragic way. Hmm. Like, I don't think they're happy about it, but I think they've sort of resigned themselves to just being this thing. That's interesting. That, I don't know, that Mrs. Potts, right, isn't like, oh, no, 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 dear, I'm a maid, I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that, but since I'm here, since I'm stuck like this, I can make you some tea. She's like, no, I heat things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, she really is. But yet they go on this whole long song to be human again. Okay, yeah. So they're they're not completely resigned. Yeah, they're still pining to be human. But yeah, it is interesting how they like. Yeah, they almost become their bodies or become embodied to some extent while they're. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I do get the sense with the beast, at least, that he's like really angry. Like, I think he feels very imprisoned by the beast's body. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And it's. I don't know. I wonder. I, I wrote down as we were watching that, like, I think the Beast almost, I think, sees himself as, like, sees that as a tragedy, but, like, sees that as, like, his fate. Again, mm-hmm, like, that that's, mm-hmm. that it's, it's tragic that he's trapped in this body, but that's, that's it. He's, that's, that's all there is. Yeah. And, like, almost, like, the, like, 
the thing where he like learned to read, you know, don't you know how to read? He's like, well, I learned, but it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, I mean, he was a prince at one point. There's no way he doesn't know how to eat with a spoon, but he's right. like, he's so not that anymore. He's like slurping oatmeal out of a bowl like a beast. Right, right, right. He's like, everybody has to, he has to like, everybody like teaches him how to like stand up and walk like a person because he's not a person. He's a beast. He's like slinking and like mm-hmm. jumping and crawling mm-hmm. around everything. And they're like, stand up straight, stupid. Yeah, yeah. And when he gets, when he gets injured, he's like, Licking his wounds like an animal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, and again, it's like, no, 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 we're going to put bandages on it because we're civilized and we're people. And he's like, why would you do that? Like, he's like frustrated and confused by that because he's not, he's given up that. He's just right. the beast. He's given himself over to just being the beast and just being that's trapped in this stupid body that he hates. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. all there is. That's interesting. Yeah. So. Okay, the film, like, made me think about a lot of different identities that struggle with embodiment and grapple with it and wrestle with it in all sorts of ways um, that I'm, like, just now beginning to learn from. And Mm -hmm. I think trans identities, trans um, body minds are, like, a really prime example that um, I think I heard one trans activist say that they resonated with the Beast in that story Mm -hmm. because... They felt like the beast has, is trapped in this body that looks super different and looks, uh, yeah, beast-like, ugly or whatever. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But really, he's this handsome young man inside. Mm-hmm. And that kind of resonated with this trans activist that they were just this handsome young man, even if their body didn't look like it or they weren't born with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just knowing that there's something else in there and just being like, ah. Yeah, yeah. Not being able to get to it. Right. Um, yeah, and then there's, but there's also people that, you know, are arguing rightly so that gender shouldn't be dependent on the body and that someone can have, you know, uh, be born with two chromosomes or, you know, Two X chromosomes or <laughs> only two, <laughs> only two chromosomes. <laughs> Would they be like a banana then? Wait, wait. How many chromosomes does an average person have? 23. Wait, two X. But no, but two X chromosomes. <laughs> no. But you just said, but you just said two chromosomes. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> OK. A pers- yeah, I don't know biology, you guys, um, <laughs> but. A person, I'm avoiding gendered terms, a person can be born with, yeah, two X chromosomes um, and be, or an X and a Y. Mm-hmm. Those are the, I guess, most common variations, That's right? XY would be quote unquote male. Quote unquote, yeah. But the point is that people can be born with either of these and it should not, you know, they can still be whatever, whatever gender they want. It shouldn't be dependent on the body. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think there's this, like, duality um, mm-hmm. and, like, complex relationship between I want to change my body, I want this type of body versus I want not to be my body. I want my body and my brain almost to be separate, right? Yeah. I, yeah, um, in some ways. Yeah, I, th- I think it's more complicated than that. And I think I'm doing almost a poor job of doing it justice or describing it. But yeah. 
I think there's a lot of communities that wrestle with these ideas. Um, yeah. I think it's yeah. interesting to look at the ways that the different characters in the movie wrestle yeah. with these ideas. That like, I don't know if they're, I don't know if there's anyone in the movie that is sort of that sort of feels at peace with both their mind and their body. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because I was going to say Gaston, but like, no, Gaston, like freaking loves his body. He's like so proud of how many eggs he eats to maintain this perfect physique and whatever. Yeah. And then he just doesn't care about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I don't know that he, he makes this. I've been thinking. And then LeFou is like, that's a dangerous pastime. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Like he just so doesn't care. Yeah. And he like can't grasp that anyone else would care. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's what's fascinating is he keeps like that. I don't know. I don't know about like that. It just kept occurring to me just over and over through this movie is he doesn't give a shit about anything about Belle except that she's pretty. She is just a well-decorated baby maker. There is nothing else about her. So is he embodied? Would you consider him embodied? I would. Mm-hmm. Happily. Mm-hmm. Happily embodied. Happily embodied. <laughs> I don't know. I feel would like... Would you not? I don't know. I feel like maybe... I think I'm confused about the word embodied and whether it means that the mind has subjugated the body or oh. the body has subjugated the mind. And I think in his case, the mind has absolutely like subjugated the body. Um, Gaston. Yeah. Oh. Right, because he practices restraint. He exercises. He oh eats gosh. all the eggs. He, he doesn't have time to think about anything else because he's restraining his body. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we're using these words very differently. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> I mean, no. I think that that's a form of embodiment. I don't know. I just sometimes wonder, like, yeah, does him, like, being more, does the, the not body. Which, not which one do you prefer, but which one is winning. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay, go on. Finish your pitch then, yeah. Okay. Explain Bell to me then. Um... I don't know about Belle. I think she's subjugated her body too in a lot of ways. Hmm. Um, I don't know, but I, but then I think like the beast is like very much his body has subjugated his mind or whatever that like yeah he has become his body or whatever that yeah his his body kind of is his, um, his definition. He's imprisoned in it. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I hadn't, ooh, I hadn't separated that. That's important. That's good. Yeah, yeah. You're good at this. <laughs> I think about this topic a lot. Yeah, I apparently. <laughs> but I think I'm still not quite um, completely getting it. But, yeah, I just, I find it really fascinating, too. So, like, I think I, I recently read Eli's, Eli Clare's Brilliant Imperfections. Okay. And he talks about this kind of tension in the trans community between um, those who kind of want to change their bodies and almost like have a sense of mastery over their bodies, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. a sense of like they want to own it. Yeah, yeah, like um, whatever this meat puppet is that I'm piloting around, I want it to be the meat puppet that I designed. Yeah, that absolutely, I want. absolutely. Um, and then there's people who are more, yeah, almost like distancing from their bodies. 
in some ways. Mm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's everywhere in between, obviously, too. And then he kind of talks about that parallel with the disability community, that huh. there are some disabled people who really desire cure and right, want to yes. not be disabled. Um, they want the cochlear implant. Yes, so they yes. they can hear. Uh-huh. They might feel in some ways like they're, you know, they were born into the wrong body um, and want an abled body. Mm-hmm. And then there's disabled people who feel that they don't want to be cured and um, they they want to be disabled and have that as their identity. Um, and yeah. Yeah, and it's just all these different relationships with bodies. And he, he talks a lot about the struggle to accept that he doesn't want his disability cured. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to be cured of disability. He wants to be disabled. He, like, resists medical intervention and care in every way possible. Mm-hmm. But he did undergo surgery to transition to, um, like, a more masculine body, mm. if you want to call it that. Um, and, and trying to ra- trying to rationalize and make sense of those two Yeah, different- those two conflicting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's super fascinating. Um, yeah, and then this week I... Um, just started talking with an activist that I had kind of just known through Facebook who expressed kind of being born, uh, yeah, disabled and um, identifying with the disabled community and identifying with that, you know, being anti-cure to some extent and everything, but also wanting in some ways to change their body and be more abled and as an artist, they kind of want vision and mm. um, just that that tension there. Just uh, yeah, yeah. I I just find that fascinating to like um, that every everyone sings this song in Beauty and the Beast to be human again and to be it's human kind of, again. It's yeah, it's we'll kind of be human again. Yeah, it's it's kind of a given that of course they want to be human again, and right. I think I right. found myself thinking. Is this a trans story? Is this a story about being in the wrong body and wanting to be in the correct body, wanting intervention? And, um, you know, is, is this a subversive story about, yeah, being in the wrong body and finally getting to be in the right body again? Or is this a story about cure? Is this a story about um, where we decide those that it's... Poor, those poor people must really want to be fixed over there. Yeah, those poor inanimate objects. Oh, animals, we don't like those. You know, of course he wants to be human. He's an ugly yeah. beast and he needs to be handsome. And who, who gets to decide what type of narrative it is and who gets to reclaim the narrative and who gets to identify with it. And yeah, all yeah. of these questions were puzzling me. Yeah, and like, I don't know. I didn't, when the beast turned back into a human, like I didn't think he was a handsome human. I thought he was kind of weird looking. <laughs> I don't know, just, I don't, that's kind of just an aside, but like also, I don't know, important, right? That like we is not so simple as human good. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like I don't know, there were a lot of useful things about being the beast, mm-hmm. right? Like he could run faster, he could, he had bigger hands, he was stronger, he could do more shit. Um, I don't know. Maybe the fur kept him warm. He lived in a, looks like he lives in a really cold place. It's all snow and awful. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, being furry would be a huge advantage. You know, never forget your coat. Like, I'm just saying there there are reasons why being the beast would be really cool. Right. And but it's but but we don't like 
beasts, and it's 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 not it's but not he, hip. It's not you can't right. But then, yeah. To what extent is it like that he longs to be human? So do we respect that? Yeah, yeah, wish, yeah. Or do we say we, that's internalized speciesism? It, well, exactly. Or, yeah, 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 ableism, yeah. lookism, whatever we want to call it. Yeah, I, I think that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm like a little worried. That whatever, this might come off wrong. So just like, feel free to call me out. But like, I don't know. Is like. Like, I want to use the word naturally occurring, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, is this naturally occurring that he that he wants? Yeah, that he wants to be human. Or is that did, right. did someone else put that in his head? But at the same time, I, yeah, but, I mean, yes. And like, I think that's a question people debate. I personally don't believe anything is naturally occurring. Like, oh, OK. Um, <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I think I've said this to you before. If, if a tree falls in the forest and it doesn't make a sound then or I mean sorry and if no one is around to hear it does it make a sound everyone answers differently my answer is firmly no um if if a person like is alive but no one is around to coexist with that person like does that person exist and my answer again is firmly no Um, wow (laughs) that's that's dark (laughs) it's not dark we just we all we exist in a lonely relation to each other yes I don't, I, I don't know if it's dark. Maybe. Yeah, I guess there's a sunny interpretation of that, right? Like We're interconnected. We all, yeah, we're all interconnected and we all need each other. And that's so warm and fuzzies. Yeah. When there's down to two people yeah. left alive at the end of the universe or at the yeah. end of the species. And then one of them dies, mm-hmm. then, then both of them die. Or if you're like me or other mad people and find it really difficult to connect with people or there's a lot of people out there with bias and bigotry <laughs> you're like fuck i feel like i don't exist that's me <laughs> <laughs> just constantly yeah but yeah. yeah but so yeah so i i don't necessarily <laughs> think you can like exist independently of other people and just be like oh like i don't know i really hate it when people are like Oh, are you wearing that for yourself or are you wearing that for someone else? And I'm like, what? Like, you really believe in the self as an independent <laughs> construct? Like, that's where your head goes. <laughs> yes, because I'm like, you. Like, I don't know. I, I hear that with like makeup. Like, oh, I wear makeup for me, not for anyone else. And I'm like, yeah. Like, of course, if you if makeup makes you happy and you enjoy it, like. Absolutely, go ahead. I support your decision. But to pretend that we do anything for ourselves and not a little bit because society, you know, has told us that that, you know, some message about that. Like, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you like, have that little voice in the back of your head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like society does, like send us messages about what's acceptable and what's not and what looks good and what doesn't and what's hardworking and what's lazy and all these things. And like, I don't know. It feels good to conform and for everybody to notice and to be like, oh, yes, you you are one of us. And nothing is wrong with that. But I just think the idea that and and totally uh, trans people who feel that they have been born in the wrong body and, you know, feel that transitioning is to a different body or changing their body is like what's 
best and what will help them survive and thrive and live happily. That is awesome. I totally support that at the yes. same time. Yeah. I, I think that that can't quite exist apart from what society says is a male or female body. And, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I just think, and I, I think that's, Eli Claire writes about this way better than I'm talking about it now, but he basically says that's that... That's all right, he's not here right now. <laughs> <laughs> that part of what led him to decide to transition and reconcile this whole anti-cure mm -hmm. ideology with pro-medical intervention for um, trans identities was that, yeah, that, like, he was getting incorrectly gendered all the time and people were assuming he was a woman and that was just exhausting and that prevented him from being the activist he wanted to be and yeah it was invalidating and like aggressive and and so transitioning like really helped and yeah, yeah that was that influenced by other people and for other people to some extent but what what's wrong with that or yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. no that's so cool that yeah that it's to be able to, yeah, just stare that down and go, you know, screw philosophy, screw, mm -hmm. screw whatever big idea, like this will make life easier. And yeah. that's ultimately what what you actually want is, I don't know, I think that's what most people actually want is just to be happy. Totally. And so I think, yeah, coming back to Beauty and the Beast, you know, to some <laughs> extent, like, does he want to be human? Because in his in the context he's in, he's not going to be loved as a beast or he's not going to be treated okay. He's going to experience more violence. He's going to be experienced as predatory. And so if he can get to be human again and if everyone can get to be human again, they'll be treated better and live an easier life. Like, yes, that's probably part of why they're all singing and so excited to be human again. Yeah, that even if being... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if being the beast is super rad, like getting stabbed isn't... Right, right. <laughs> yeah, or, like, I don't know, being unloved and feeling ugly isn't. Yeah, um, yeah. Even if in a perfect world, you know, we all would love beasts or, you know, or everyone would have different preferences and there would be more diversity. And, you know, he's, he's in this small provincial town and he's going to be treated a certain way. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think that that's some extent it's it's probably a combination of factors but not totally independent of what people think yeah yeah we were talking before we started recording we were talking about like all the different kinds of violence mm -hmm. and like the way the movie defines violence and like oh yeah just all the ways all the little violences against the beast that aren't really like talked about or noted or mm -hmm. like whatever because he's this big snarling monster thing and so of course he's violent and like so the movie so does not want to like engage with yeah all the 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 shunning and the non-love giving as being in any way violent because i don't know i i you have you've brought me around to this mm-hmm I guess definition, but very much like I still my snap association of violence is like punching, stabbing, beating, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like in everything else, like. I can come around to like consciously, but like with with effort. Yeah. You know, I have to remind myself or, you know, so like, oh, but I guess that, other, you know, but I guess also just being in, being mean to people is kind of violent, too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because people are mean to the beast. Just and all and not accepting of the beast. Like again, like they they're they're making him act like a person. They're shaping him into a, a, a good prince. Go go woo the girl, be a good prince, straighten your hair, stand up. And uh God, what's the quote I'm looking for? I'm looking for. Uh, oh shoot. You have to help her see past all that, right? He's like, but I'm a beast. I'm an ugly beast. They're like, you have to help her mm-hmm, see past mm-hmm, all that. Mm-hmm. Like the burden is on him, man. Yes. It is all on him to go out and make her like overcompensate for the fact that he's super ugly, you guys. Yeah, yeah. And um. yeah, and um, like, I don't know, in uh, Speaker for the Dead, Speaker for the Dead is my favorite book of all time. It's science fiction. It's whatever. Basically, it's the story of like two species like meeting and like trying to like coexist and trying to understand each other's mm-hmm. ways, but they keep killing each other. And so finally, at the end of the book, they're trying to negotiate like a peace treaty and they're talking and the line that that like I want to like pull out is are they talking about like how much should we change you and how much do we have to change in return? Mm-hmm. And, it, and the, it was the line was something along the lines of like. We ask you to change only enough. That you can tolerate that, that we can tolerate you and we will change only as much as is necessary for you to tolerate us. Mm-hmm. And that that's like the the foundation of the the treaty. Yeah, uh, is sort of like yeah, just minimum, just absolute minimum. To 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 get by. Yeah. Um. But but mutual, and that is so not what happens with Bell and the Beast. Yeah. It's like Bell. It's like, I don't know what is. What is she giving to the relationship? She's giving her existence and her tolerance of this horrid, wretched beast. And he is doing everything for her. He's working so hard. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's learning how to eat with a spoon despite having giant monster paws. He's learning how to read. He's treating her to fancy things and giving her his whole library. And ugh. Yeah. He's he's carrying the relationship, man, because he's the ugly one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's violence. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, because I, I think violence, I don't know if I'd say, like, being mean necessarily is violence. That depends on context. But I think when it's systemic and it's really, like, a pervasive level of coercion for someone to engage in acts that like deplete and debilitate their body and mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I, I think the beast has to like give up a lot, I think. Um, yeah. In some ways. Yeah. And, and also just the, the deal, the devaluation. Like it's just this idea that no one could love him unless, you know, he performs these amazing feats and yeah, that's, that's pretty devaluing. Um, that does affect the brain and body. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was and also thinking good. about all the other types of violence that occur. 
throughout the movie. Okay. Um, that just like don't really get recognized. The beast is seen as violent and predatory, but there are all these other acts of violence. I think Gaston is pretty violent toward Belle. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like chasing her <laughs> at one point. And like pinning her in the corner and like trying to like trap her down with his arms and whatever. Yeah. And his big muscular burly arms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's pretty violent to his sidekick. I forgot what his sidekick is. The Fool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Literally translates into the fool. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's pretty violent toward him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's very violent toward Belle's father, Maurice. Tries oh, to get constantly. him locked up um, in the asylum. That's not really seen as violent. And yet the Beast, like, he's the violent one. And the whole town goes after him. And I think even in, like, pop culture critiques of Beauty and the Beast. Like, the Beast is looked at as like, oh, wow, he keeps Belle locked up in this castle, and it's so terrible. Um, And I'm not saying I I support that in any way, but I think it's interesting that we're, like, very quick to look at how violent he is um, and not look at how violent the world around him is and the violence that he's experiencing. Yeah, yeah. Because Belle talks him into being like a sweetheart and like forgiving and I don't know, have a sense of mercy and compassion, whatever. And that gets him freaking stabbed. Yeah. Mm hmm. Like she talks him into being a nice guy and that totally backfires in a like bad, bad way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he dies. <laughs> yeah. Well, almost. he's well, he's magically revived, but I'm pretty sure the implication was that he was straight dead. Yeah, and I feel like that's just, like, so common. Like, I've probably talked about this on here before, Mm -hmm. but that marginalized communities are told to be nice and just, you know, be nonviolent, be peaceful. Don't, you know, be mean to your oppressors. Just try, if you're nice enough to them, then one day. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Rudolph myth, too. It's like, just be nice to them and they'll see how useful you are because you're so nice and you stroke their egos and then they'll give in. And it's like, no, you you don't really know what it's like to be marginalized when you need to defend yourself and you need to kind of be a hard ass sometimes in order to just (laughs) protect yourself. And that to me was such a classic example that Belle is just like, look, you can just be nice. It's fine. And then he gets stabbed. He gets stabbed. (laughs) Yeah. So I was wondering, going back to embodiment, how did you experience Belle's embodiment? I mean, Belle reminded me of you. How so? That... She was a brain that felt trapped inside a body. Hmm. Like, I I don't know. I think she was, if I had to guess, Mm -hmm. I would guess that she was almost, like, frustrated that she was, like, like, everyone's staring at her all the time. Hmm. She's, like, I don't know, too pretty and, like, ah, listen to me. Oh, but I'd rather stare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, nobody takes her seriously, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I think that's an interesting point that, that, I don't know, you were saying earlier... That you think she actually has fairly decent, like, whatever, control over her body or has subjugated it fairly successfully? Yeah. Explain yourself. Justify this position. Just that she does fit conventional standards of attractiveness and people, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, I think it's very different than the beast or than the servants 
where, you know, the beast is like very literally this unrestrained, like mm-hmm, trapped mm-hmm. in the body of this unrestrained predator mm-hmm. who's like automatically perceived that way. And then the servants who are very literally like trapped in the bodies of like inanimate objects who are considered not to be conscious. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so they're mm-hmm. not going to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think with Belle, it's a little bit different. I don't see her as so like trapped in a body, but now I can kind of see it with what you're saying that, yeah, she's not taken seriously because of her looks in kind of a similar type way. Are you saying the sort of the, the fact that she like combs her hair and puts on lipstick and whatever is sort of a subjugation of the body? Yeah. That she even, has Disney proportions yeah. of thinness. Yeah. 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 Which you don't usually see in the wild unless you're like dieting or exercising or whatever. Uh, not where in, you're going with that. In like incredibly disordered ways, not to use that word, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> like on the verge of death kind of ways. Uh, yeah. I was going more. Yeah. I think with like the beast, he's specifically trapped in this body that's unruly. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And I think a lot of trans people and disabled people, especially mad people, like share that experience. Mm-hmm. People of color like yeah. that, like there's this body that they're in that's perceived as predatory somehow. I think especially mm-hmm. a lot of like mm-hmm. trans women experience that. Um, but I think that the beast um, all right. I think that Belle is not like trapped in a body that's considered unruly or unrestrained. Mm-hmm. But I can see how, yeah. yeah, it's like a she does have like some experience of embodiment that she is struggling with. Yeah. 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 I don't, know. I don't have <laughs> I don't have a lot more beyond that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty uh Pretty simple note. Yeah, I think so. I think that's interesting, though. Um, I don't I don't think about that a lot. I definitely think about attractiveness as a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, there are obviously times when it's used to marginalize people or yeah, in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we coming up on the lightning round? I think so. Is that what's happening? Yeah. Because uh, I'm out of big points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'm still, like, struggling with the embodiment just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For myself, too. I don't know. Do you, do you feel, like, embodied? Let's put the definition right on the table. What do you... I don't know. Do you feel like you've subjugated your body, like your body is a thing that you like own and you're in control? Or do you feel like your body is a thing that you're like trapped in? I don't feel trapped. I sometimes feel surprised. Hmm. You know, in the way that we have a, a, whatever, I have a, a friend who's sort of, he's very, very good at like picking up people's mannerisms and like playing them back. Like he's really good at doing like, I don't know, impressions of characters, Mm -hmm. but also impressions of people Mm -hmm. and just all these little things. So he was just telling me whatever last spring or something, right? Like just pointing out all these little things that I do that I'm not aware that I do. 
And and just like mm-hmm. like that was definitely a very like weird kind of feeling like I walked around for like a month just like noticing every little <laughs> way that I like picked up a pencil or like opened a door and going, oh, gosh, that's exactly how he described it. How did that feel? Did that feel like you were trapped a little bit? Again, not trapped. Like, I don't know. I feel like trapped has like this like negative connotation. Mm. It didn't feel negative. It just felt kind of unsettling or like surprising, huh. I guess. That's really interesting. See, like when that because I've had that happen to me a lot, mm-hmm. like being autistic. Everybody loves to talk about how I move my body so interestingly. And did you know you're doing this and that? And that probably means you're nervous right now. And blah, 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 oh, blah, blah, blah. Do I do that? I feel like I do that. <laughs> everyone I, does it. Everyone every, does it. Every single person in the whole entire world, including other autistic people, inclu- like ev- everyone. This is like such a thing. Okay. <laughs> I didn't expect myself to go on a rant about this. Yeah, but, go. <laughs> but yeah, people like do that. And I'm like, oh, do, everyone does that to everyone or everyone does that to you? To me specifically. OK, you're the victim here. No. Yeah. I mean, no, I, <laughs> I think people do it to a lot of people. But I think I do move my body in like weird ways or surprising ways. Or, you know, I'm autistic. Am so. I just used to you? Because I don't think you're I don't think you. Move no, it. but you probably did at the beginning. It's <laughs> weird to think back to. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. We'll keep going. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, I I think I do. Like, I move. I'm very autistic. I move my body very autistically. Anyways. um, So, yeah, it always, like, freaks me out because it does feel so trapped. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. not consciously moving my body that Mm -hmm. way. It's just kind of a thing that happens. And so I, like, get really scared. I'm like... Yeah, like I'm I'm trapped in this thing. Like I can't I can't control how I'm moving my body. I can't like get my mind to like wrap itself around my body. It's just this thing that I have that's like has a mind of its own and I'm just subject to it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that scares me so much. Mm. And so I do often find myself wondering like my desire to I guess, move in a, like, neurotypical way or have a more, like, neurotypical body. I I do desire Mm -hmm. that very often. And, yeah, I find myself asking these questions of, like, you know, who gets to this? Is that, like, a... Is that internalized ableism? Mm -hmm. Or is that feeling like I, I have the wrong body? I have a body that doesn't quite match what my mind is doing? Is that... You know, there, there's just all these questions. Is that just wanting my life to be a little bit easier? Um, is that just wanting to perceive, be perceived in a way that, like, is more congruent with how I perceive myself? Or, you know, I, it's just, it's very um, confusing. And so that's, yeah, what this film kind of, like, made me think about. Yeah. Just, yeah. Transformation stories it was very different than the little mermaid where Hmm. the little mermaid i felt it was such a clear like trans narrative where she was so clearly obsessed with humans and had always loved humans her entire life and Mm -hmm. always wanted to explore human objects and human things and understand the experience of being human and like she she was she was kind of a human and yep. I mean, I don't know what, what makes someone something or not something else, but she she was she was very interested in that. And then she fell in love with this human um, 
and wanted to be a human, you know, but she had always wanted that. And so Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. to me was like a very clear narrative of someone who um, was kind of doing this independently, you know, as independently as it can be done or whatever. But this felt so different where like he was trapped in this beast body. And of course, a beast is inherently bad. And of course, he would want to be human. Yeah, Yeah, it's so much messier. It is. Yeah. I kind of want to see Shrek or do Shrek maybe too, because I think it takes, I think it like specifically is taking on Beauty and the Beast, right? It's taking on so many of these narratives. It's it's like designed from the ground up as like the anti-Disney film, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is amazing. (laughs) That's kind of funny, right? Right. It's like also DreamWorks like split from Disney or something. No, no, no. DreamWorks, DreamWorks was my understanding is that DreamWorks was created basically once Pixar mm-hmm. proved that CG feature films were possible. DreamWorks was thrown together as like in in the immediate aftermath of Toy Story as like an oh shit, this is something we can do. Huh. We we should explore that and we should also do that and not just let Pixar run away with this. Okay, and then it decided to make like an anti Disney film or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. I wonder if Shrek was their first film or if it was just their first breakout film. I don't know. Let's look it up. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that that would be interesting to look at. Because um, I th- I think of Shrek as like very much um, like almost that is similar, like ashamed of being an ogre mm-hmm, in some mm-hmm. ways and thinks that like no one will love me because I'm an ogre. Mm-hmm, but yeah. then he he like embraces it or I, I, there's yeah. no... I want to be human song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in the end, instead of him turning human, she turns into an ogre. Right, like, right. That's such a clear, like, big green fuck you, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but she wants to be human. She wants to receive the true love's kiss so that mm-hmm. she'll be human, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then kind of like, yeah, it comes to... Love herself as she is, which can, again, I think, be seen as, like, self-acceptance and body positivity, awesome, Mm -hmm. and disability acceptance, probably, you know, all sorts of acceptance. Or is it seen as, like, secretly kind of a turf narrative um, (laughs) of, like, oh, like, you want to transition your body from, like, a man to a woman? Like... Don't. Like, You're fine. Or, or from a woman to a man. That's internalized misogyny. You just hate your body. You just hate women. Like, you need to learn to love yourself as a woman. And, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who gets to decide when it's okay to want a different body is the question I keep <laughs> coming back to you again and again. <laughs> so you all should uh, weigh in on that. But yes. yes. Lightning round. Lightning round, lightning round. Yes. Um. Yeah, my very first thought, like, I think literally with the first shot of the film, right, where we get to, not with the uh, the stained glass and whatever, but the first, like, shot of, like, the town, the countryside, whatever, I was just like, holy crap, this is a pretty looking movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which it is. This is, like, the height of the Disney Renaissance, and they're starting to integrate computers into hand-drawn animation. Like, the ballroom scene is all, like, CG, but it's, like, hand-drawn stuff pasted onto um 3d computer generated objects Mm -hmm. um so that's important Mm -hmm. um let's see i have the line um that girl is strange Mm -hmm. uh to describe bell i also have 
in the opening sequence, there's the song. What What is the song? Good day, bonjour or something. It's like the first song where she's walking through the city and people are talking to her, calling her odd. Um, she's also, uh, someone's asking her, like, how was your day? And <laughs> she says something. She's like, well, I read this book and all of these <laughs> things happened. And I was like, oh, man, you're totally autistic. That's cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I felt like I just kept reading Belle as autistic throughout the film and huh. I was excited about that. Um, there was also this line, it's a pity and a sin she doesn't quite fit in. <laughs> pity and a sin? I didn't catch that. Yeah. Oh. I really love that line. Oh. <laughs> I kind of, like, I recently changed my Facebook quote on, um, my Facebook profile quote to, like, something, and I, I kind of wish that I had waited and changed it to that. <laughs> it's a pity and a sin she doesn't quite fit in. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um... I don't know enough about restorative justice to make any sort of definitive argument or to really like oh, yeah. flesh it out in any meaningful way on this podcast. And so I kind of just let it slide. Mm -hmm. But I had definitely written down um, that like Beast doesn't love ugly people. And so and he's like judges. Uh, he, he has judged the ugly. And so in turn, he stands in judgment. Uh, and, uh, must whatever learn that, I don't know, appearance aren't, appearances aren't everything, mm -hmm. I guess. And I was like, is this restorative justice? Is this what counts? Cause it's at the very least, it's not like kill the asshole or like imprison yeah. him or like, you know, divine retribution. Like then he was struck down by lightning for his mm -hmm, transgressions mm -hmm. or whatever. Like it is like. No, 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 no. We want you to learn your lesson. We want you to learn and reintegrate. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, maybe there's something there. Um, but also to learn that appearances aren't everything. He has to fall in love with the prettiest girl in town. Right. <laughs> right. Does it quite hold up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> and then also, like, all these other, like, servants get dragged along with him. Yeah, that's kind of cruel. And locked in a castle. Yeah. And he has to, like, lock the pretty girl in the castle so that she <laughs> falls in love. And she's, like, thanking him for letting her go free. And she's like, thank you so much. He's so kind. He's a good beast. <laughs> so He unimprisoned un me. I don't know. Yeah, I'm starting to see this less as a restorative <laughs> justice film and more of a film about how, like, punishing people just punishes everyone. Like, we, we think that we're, like rooting out violence and like solving it and no it just kind of makes everyone commit more violence and be pushed to more limits and we're like yeah you're gonna go to prison and then prison makes people more violent and we're like so surprised about that so yeah, yeah so maybe not <laughs> maybe it's like that having had this this great conversation i now retract my previous statement <laughs> i don't know but i do like the idea like i i always want politicians who support like forced psychiatric treatment to have to I want them to be sent to like Disney World for a month but everybody thinks that they've spent the month in a psych hospital 
Oh. And they have to deal with, like, how people treat them after. Oh, my gosh. Really, that's amazing. I know. That's my, like, revenge fantasy. My ultimate, ultimate revenge yes, fantasy. It's, yes. I want it so bad. Like, you don't They're understand. telling everyone how great the rides were. And everyone's like, sure, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, great. exactly. Great. It was great rides. What'd they give you there? Oh, lots of popcorn. Mm-hmm. Sure they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just I want them to understand how <laughs> how you're treated after that happens. Like they don't even need like I wouldn't wish the violence of forced drugging of like losing all your bodily autonomy on anyone. But just the shame and ostracization and disbelief. loneliness. Yeah, disbelief, discreditation, like non-existence again, yeah. like feeling like they don't exist. So, yeah, I yeah. So in some ways, I feel like, yeah, that's kind of a cool punishment that, like, he thought people were ugly. So now everyone's going to think he's ugly. Sounds good. Yeah, because that's what happens to Maurice, right? Like, that's I'm going to roll this. It's a transition. Yeah. Because my next note was that the only judge of madness that they have was just perception of the world. Mm -hmm. Just the way just that was that's that's it. And maybe that's all that it ever is, is just perceiving the world differently equals madness. Yeah. Because, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's Maurice does that exact freaking thing. And he goes to the castle and is like, there's talking inanimate objects and there's a beast. And everyone's like, "Uh uh uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. Tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, something interesting. I had a note on that, too, that, like, they start, like, teasing him. And they're like, really? How big was this beast? And, yeah, and what did you do there? And what were these inanimate objects? And, like... He, I feel like the joke is like, wow, he's so crazy that he doesn't even know he's crazy. And yeah, and he doesn't even know, like, we think he's crazy. Yeah, um, we can keep doing this because he's not onto us. Right. And that that's something interesting. I've, I've just been thinking about a lot about, like, delusion and embodiment. Yeah. Which I can't really get into. But, um, yeah, I, I felt like there was, like, some idea of, like, wow, not only is he crazy but he's like delusional that he thinks he's not crazy or he thinks that we like him we think he thinks that we're taking him seriously yes yeah yes and of course we'll help you maurice Uh uh-huh right right it's like my worst fear (laughs) that like everyone around me is like okay sure emily yeah sure you don't sound crazy and like really it's like holy shit like yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah on the flip side of that, right, there's Belle who, who's, like, in, in her bedroom going, this is impossible. Mm-hmm. And the dresser, the woman, the chest of drawers or whatever says, yes, well, I know, but here we are. Yeah. And Belle's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh-huh. just, like, goes with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because acceptance is a good thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had that in my notes, too. Yeah, right? It's such a good line. <laughs> yeah. I know, but here we are. Yeah. Oh, this was something that I, the servants were talking about how they want to be human again. And they were talking about how they want to be useful again. Oh, and yeah. I found that really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. They kept saying like, oh, we have all these skills. I've trained all of my life to be a perfect chef. And now I have no one to cook for. And I just <laughs> feel sad. And I want to be human so I can cook for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that they can't cook, but so people will let them cook. Right. Yeah, but also this idea, again, of, like, usefulness and mm-hmm, needing usefulness mm-hmm. and, like, you know, yeah, um, is that because they're told that they need to be useful and that the definition of a good person or a good life or whatever is usefulness or is it because mm-hmm. they actually drive satisfaction from that? Like, you know, impossible to know. 
Yeah. Yeah. You'll never separate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what to make of this, but the line, I won't let you, is like probably the most uttered line in the film. Hmm. And it's also completely useless. Hmm. Every time somebody says it, it's like, I won't let you. And like, you don't have a choice is like the immediate answer. Right? Like Belle's like, you can't hurt the beast. I won't let you. And then Gaston just like pushes her over and keeps walking. Or Maurice is like, like Belle is going to ransom herself to save her father from the beast. Right? And Maurice is like, I won't let you. And Maurice and, and, and Belle's like, I can't let you father. Right? And that's just the end of the conversation. Like every time. And I don't know what that means, but that feels either. like, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. There's something there. Yeah. Tell us. Tell, Tell us. us in the comments. Yes. Um, anything else? I think that's it. Yeah, I'm out too. Yeah. Cool. So. Isn't it cool that we always have... This is like fascinating to me. that We both end up... When we do the lightning round, yeah. we end the same... Yeah. We don't... It's never like I have five more and you're just out of yeah, bullets. Yeah. We all kind of end at the same place. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. It means yeah. this podcast was meant to be. It's <laughs> exactly what it means. Yep. <laughs> the universe is intelligent. Yep. <laughs> it's telling it's telling me one more. You can do one more. And it's telling you, like, no, 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 slow down. You're good. <laughs> yes. Yes. So tell us what you think. In the comments on the Facebook. Yes. And <sighs> um let us know what films you want us to do. And let us know if you know of anybody, including yourself, who might be really super wicked awesome mm-hmm. on the show. And that's keep watching. Keep listening. Yeah. Keep listening and keep sharing and engaging and telling your friends about this cool podcast where people talked about Beauty and the Beast, but like in a different way than you're used to. Yeah. Okay. Mad love. Bye.